Good morning, Heartland. Hello, welcome. It's March, I can't believe it. Spring is coming. I can feel it, I can smell it. I, uh, when it gets around this time, I can smell it in the air, so I'm very excited. Um, I just wanted to say welcome. If it's your first time here, we want to say welcome to you. If you're online and it's your first time as well, welcome. Um, there's actually a, a little chiclet that you can click on that says new here online and someone would love to connect with you. Um, and if you need prayer online, there's also another little chiclet that says request prayer and someone will connect with you. If you are able, can you stand with us as we just um, worship together? Corporately. I think a number of you know this one. This is an old one, but it's one of my favorites.
can always count on Jesus. He's always the sure thing in our lives, church. Things happen, people come and go, but Jesus remains. Amen? So just lift him up with me today. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. He deserves it all.
just want to share scripture with you that I was reading today, this morning. This is Habakkuk 3, 17, verse 19. And it says, uh, sorry, chapter 3, 17, verse 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the, in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The next song that we're going to sing, it's, it's just so simple. It just is simple, um, but it brings me back to a time, probably the darkest time of my life, when I had nothing to give and I had no words and I would just sit at our keyboard and I would just sing this song over and over again because that's all I had. And you might not have a lot right now. You might not have much to give. But when we lift him up, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we let him be the focus, he gives us what, it, what he needs. He's our portion. He's enough. So I just encourage you, whatever you're carrying, just lay it down. We don't have to have fancy words. We just need to worship him. Amen.
So he goes to me, uh, I got a text message uh, late in the evening, it's some evening last week. Hey, do you want, do you want to do the, your last communion? <laughs> I said, sure, bud, why not, why not? But I, I was thinking about it though. Um, I was thinking about the incredible hope that we have. Uh, this is gonna sound a little strange, 
but think of the hope that we have. So in all likelihood, this is the last time I'll share communion with many, most, if not all of you. And yet we have this incredible hope and, and you can read about it in Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters and like a loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. The the marriage supper of the Lamb. That when we see Christ in glory, there will be a meal like no other. And Christ is actually waiting. He's waiting to break the bread. He's waiting to take the cup until we arrive and we are with him in that place where he wipes away every tear. And in this place, there will be tears. There will be sorrows. There will be victories and there will be valleys. In this life, you will be saying hello and goodbye. For those of you who are younger, you'll be saying hello and goodbye to another lead pastor in 5, 10, 20 years. It's the cycle of life. And yet, regardless of where we go in life, if we have our faith in Christ, we know that in Him and with Him and all those who have accepted Him will share that meal together again. And so as we partake of communion, we, we do so in two ways. We, we look back and remember what Christ did for us, but we take it with this expectation, knowing that one day, I'm going to take this again. Not just with fellow believers, but with Christ Himself. What a hope that we have. No one else has that hope but Christ, and it is ours. It's our hope. So go ahead and peel that first layer back and take that little wafer, which represents his body that was broken for you and I. Just go ahead and break it between your fingers. This was his body that was broken for us. Let's take together. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant, a new promise. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember his sacrifice, but also remember his promise that he would not eat again of this until we were together face to face what a day that will be won't it what a day that will be when we see those who have fallen asleep in Christ what a day that will be when every wrong is made right what a day that will be when everything is set right what a day that will be when every tear is wiped all sorrows gone What a day that will be where I get to live for Christ for all eternity. To be free, to be what I was made to be. What a day that will be. And so we drink, not just remembering backward, but with a holy expectation forward. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take together. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Pastor Fraz and Catherine, would you like to come and join us, please? We were hoping for the kids, but I don't know. Maybe mom and dad will come. That's okay. 
I want to say thank you so much for those of you who brought desserts. We absolutely have a sugar fest ready for after the service. I'm going to ask Elazar to come. We all serve as Hartman's board. And we're going to share. Um, Pastor Fred, Kathleen, I. Pastor Fraz, I, I, I personally want to express my heartfelt gratitude to you. Um, not many people here uh, know the things that you and I have shared. Um, we both have worked on many things. We dreamed about the future of Heartland. We struggled and we wrestled. We laughed, we cried, and we prayed together. Um, I learned a lot from you, brother. It's been a very positive experience to work beside you. Your unwavering dedication and inspirational leadership during your time with us, your guidance, wisdom, and compassion have touched our lives in profound ways, and we are deeply thankful for the impact that you've had in our congregation. Um, while we will miss your presence dearly, we are excited for the opportunities that lie ahead of you. Uh, please know that you will always have a special place in our hearts, uh, and we will continue to cherish the lessons you've imparted upon us. So may your future endeavors be blessed abundantly, and may you continue to spread the love and light wherever you go. And I would like to remind you, Pastor Fraz, of that phrase that you always use to encourage us as we look up to the future. The best is yet to come. Brother. I love you, brother. Thank you, Elazar, and we also have Sarah. Yes, let's uh, pray together. Let's just give thanks to the Lord special blessing upon Pastor Fraz and Catherine and the children, Evelyn, Judah, Faith, and Hope. And uh, let's pray. Father, you are a good God. You are a wonderful Savior. You are King of all. You are Lord of Lords and mighty God. Lord, it says here in Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. In God, in my God, in him I will trust. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be a shadow upon Pastor Fraz, Catherine, Evelyn, Judah, Faith and Hope. Lord, may, may the Holy Spirit wind be in their sails and an anchor in their waves. Lord, be the fire inside of their veins and echo in their days. Lord, may you be a song in their lips every day, night and day, day and night. Lord, be there, Jehovah Jireh, Lord God. Lord, we don't know, uh, our future is in your hands. We don't know what's happening today, tomorrow, but Lord, our future is in your hands. So we crave a blessing, a blessing, an amazing future in this family's hands, oh God. And as a congregation, we, we use your words where it says in Philippians 1, verse 6, it says, we are being confident of this very thing. That he, which began a good work in you, Pastor Fraz and Catherine, Evelyn and Judah, and Faith and Hope, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So together we say, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. I have two friends with me. I have Gabby and Timothy. And they would like to give four gifts. 
There's one for Evelyn, there's one for Judah, there's one for Faith, and there's one for Hope. Oh, you gotta figure out which one. There are cards in there, so there's no fighting. There's cards. And then we also wanna bless you, Catherine and Pastor Fraz. Thank you so much. Can we give our pastor and his family a round of applause? Thank you so much. Amen. It's going to be tough to follow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't quite word the text message your last, you want to lead your last. Just thought it would be nice. Amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. Uh, we just have a few announcements before we take up the offering. And if you're visiting with us today, now if this is your first time here, we do want to welcome you. We are so glad you're here with us. It's a little bit of a different service, so if it's your first time here, it might surprise you, but we're really glad you're here. In one of the chairs in front of you, you'll see a communication card. If you take a couple minutes and just fill that out and then take it to guest services afterwards in the foyer, we just have a, a Tim's card for you just to welcome you here and thank you for being a part of uh, our service with us today. And uh, again, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, today's name badge Sunday. So when we fellowship in the uh, Sugar Fest, as it was mentioned in the, in the gym, uh, it'll be much easier. But please uh, make sure you have a name tag on and go around and greet one another. This is the perfect time to go to that person that you know and can never remember their name. And, uh, and so please uh, stay with us afterwards. I'll come back up at the end of the service just with a few instructions about our fellowship time. But please plan to stay afterwards and just fellowship. Uh, there's a photo booth in there. You can get some photos. Or just uh, please make sure you spend some time with Pastor Fraz, Catherine, just to uh, wish them all the best. Pray for them. Amen. On March 16th, Heartland Youth and Young Adult Warriors will be hosting a March Break Madness 3-on-3 Basketball Tournament Outreach event here at Heartland. We're going to have to break that up into two sentences next time. Uh, the ages is 15 and up, cost is $80 per team, pizza and pop uh, for each uh, is included, uh, each team, medals, uh, trophies for first prize team. The deadline is March 11th, contact Pastor Mark if you're interested or want to know more um, information and to register your three-on-three -three team. Heartland Easter, we always uh, have a special service, of course, at Easter and that, but we also do community projects. And this year at Easter, over the Easter season, our community engagement project, we are again are raising, uh, bringing in food for the Mississauga Food Bank. Uh, last year, I believe we brought in, oh, for Thanksgiving, was 880 pounds of food. And we would like to surpass that this year. There'll be a table uh, and that in the foyer. Please bring in your non-perishable food items. Um, over 35,000 people in Mississauga alone accessed the food bank last year. And over 11,000 were children. 
And there is a real need within our community. I'm sure we can relate and understand. And so we would really like to do something special this year for the food bank. So please um, bring in your food, your non-perishable food items, toiletries, those things. Sometimes those things that we take for granted uh, could be a real blessing to someone else. So if you can, over the next few weeks, that's from March 17th to the 31st, bring them in. And that would be great. If you forgot anything and you're not part of our uh, weekly email, please, you can sign up for that at connect at a churchconnected.ca. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. We want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving and uh, over the uh, over last year, but as we go into this new year, and we are able to, to minister and to do what we can because of your faithfulness in giving your tithes and in your offerings as well. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. God, even as I emphasize, you know, God is good, I don't say that just as a saying. God, you are good. We are blessed. We live in a, in a blessed land. God, you have blessed us as a church. And so I pray as we're obedient in giving our tithes to you, and God, we give our offerings to you, that God, you would use them for your glory, that you would move by your spirit and accomplish your will in and through heartland. And that, God, you would bless the giver as well as we are, are faithful in giving and obedient in giving. That, God, your blessing would rest upon us. And that, God, we would be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, worship team. Oh, there's my table. Oh, my hall is wonderful. Well, how are you doing? You okay? Oh, that great, eh? Well, on the bright side, God is still good, and God is still here, and he loves you with an everlasting love, and he's not going to stop loving you. Other people might, but God won't stop loving you. Isn't that encouraging? Amen. Well, uh, we, we started with a sermon series in January, and we kind of stretched it all the way through, called Believing for More in 2024, and we just kind of felt we would continue that series because we believe that God is going to do more in 2024, whether it's for me or for you or your family, that God is still up to something because he is good. And so today we're going to share from a very, very familiar passage in Ephesians uh, about a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you ever thought possible. And in this uh, Final message, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. Is that allowed? Can I challenge you? Like, I'm not a cheerleader, right? I'm a pastor. A big difference, right? So I'm going to challenge you a bit as well, but I'm really just going to encourage you because I believe that God has so much more in store for you. But in saying that, let me phrase it this way with a question. There is more in store, but what's the catch? Is there a catch? I believe it, and maybe if you've heard of big, grandiose promises, when you've, you've been given a, a wonderful opportunity, and as you stretch out your hand, you ask yourself, wait a minute, is this really free, or is there a catch? Because I believe with my whole heart that God has great plans, but the skeptic in me especially when I first became a Christian, not so much today, but when I first became a Christian, I was skeptical because I've learned from life experience to ask the question, what's the catch? In fact, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I was working at a pizza shop, New Orleans Pizza. Anyone ever heard of it? Yes, yes, yes I, I was, yeah. I didn't like their pizza that much. But anyway, I worked there. <clears throat> Great Wings, I worked there. And one of my coworkers, he told me about a project that he was a part of, that he had met somebody, and the person he had met told him how they could get rich quickly. Now, the fact that he was working at a pizza shop should have been my first clue. But I didn't think. And so he told me about this plan, about this guy, and basically this guy, all he had to do was he would sell things, but if he could recruit two people who sold things, and, and that was me and my buddy in the pizza shop, if he could recruit us, and if we could recruit two more people and two more people who sold things, then we could be millionaires by the time we were 21. And I believed it. Hook, line, and sinker. I bought the books. I bought the t-shirt. I bought the bracelet. I thought, this is going to be great. Who needs an education when all I got to do is convince people to sell things who then in turn convince people to sell things who in turn convince people to sell things? And you folks are really smart. Like, you're like way smarter than I am because you already, you already see what this is. I, I couldn't see it. I, I couldn't see it because I was blinded by greed. I was blinded by my own naive stupidity, whatever you want to call it. But there was a scheme afoot. And the scheme just happened to be in the shape of a pyramid. <laughs> and I lost, I, I mean, don't ask my parents, they'd probably be upset, like, like six, seven hundred bucks. That's like four or five pairs of Air Jordans back then. And man, I thought, oh, how did I 
How did I fall for that? Right? I mean, how? Like, I mean, why didn't I have the clarity of mind to say, well, what's the catch? Because how can some punk kid become a millionaire in just a few short months? But you're smarter than that. You know that there was a catch. It was a catch that was quite costly. Now, this might sound a little strange to hear, but while six, seven hundred bucks was a lot of money for me back then, it's a lot of money for me today, it's just money. Like, you can make more of it. It's really not the end of the world. But some of us have been burned by charlatans and liars. You, your relationships have been used and abused, and your investment has been a lot more than money. It's been your time. It's been your talent. It's been your emotions. It's been your intellect. It's been your life. And now today, you're just skeptical. You're skeptical about whether or not God's promises are true. You're skeptical because you've been burned before, and you're not sure you want to be burned again. And for some people, and this has been me at various times, but skepticism is almost like a shield because it, it helps mitigate against disappointment. You're the kind of person who would say, the glass is half empty, not half full. Not because you're some pessimist, but because you've been burned before and you're not sure your heart can take another beating. And so you mitigate your expectations with skepticism because your heart is just so weak and frail and you're just too scared to dream. You're too scared to hope. You're too scared to believe that there's more in store. And then comes this guy with a fancy tie, and he reads you this passage. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, like just more than you ever thought possible, more than you can comprehend, more than you can imagine, more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And I want you to know that I believe this full stop totally right here, right now. I believe that God is fully good. I believe his plans are fully awesome and they're worth pursuing. But I've been in ministry long enough to know that there are those, and maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and you've been burned. Burned by your faith community, burned by this Christian who, you know, you felt was a hypocrite or whatever, and now you're just, you're scared to believe, you're scared to dream, you're scared to hope that God can do more. He can do more. He can do immeasurably more than you ever thought possible. And I know it seems like a mystery that God can work in me and all around me when so much has fallen apart, but God can do more. You, this is how great God is. You don't even have to be in control for him to bless you. In fact, your greatest blessing might come when you are not in control. And so today, uh, in this final message, and I'll keep it brief, by the way, um, in this final message, I just wanted to encourage you that God has more in store. And you may not have all the answers for your life. You may not have all the answers for your family. You may not have all the answers about your future. But God has more in store than you could possibly imagine. Now, this is verse 20, but we're going to 
scroll all the way back to verse 1. And it's a lot of text, but I think today it's important to read. This is what the Apostle Paul said starting in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery. That's, that's the second time he said that word. The mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. There's a great mystery afoot. Yes, God has more in store. Yes, God is working and speaking and moving. Yes, God is mysterious because clouds of thick darkness are round about him. But here in this passage, God, Paul is about to describe what the mystery is. And, and, I, and I think, and we'll talk more about it, that more people struggle with this than they want to admit. Here's the mystery. The mystery is this that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, people of non-Jewish descent, people who don't look like you, people who don't think like you, people who don't act like you, people who don't vote like you, people who don't smell like you, they're, they're part of the promise. Powerful words, I think, especially in the 21st century. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height, and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There is something to be known that cannot be fully known. There is something to be experienced that cannot be fully experienced in this life. God's plans are by definition unimaginable for you, for this church, for your family, for your home. But there's something you gotta do. And, and this is really the message just in one sentence. 
embrace the mystery. We're not embracing certainty. That's an illusion. Embrace the mystery. Now, that's hard for some because you've built your life on being in control. You've built your life. Maybe you're one of those people, you've got budgets and spreadsheets and you know how much is coming in, how much is going out. You're just in control. That's not the Christian life. Embrace the mystery. And by mystery, I don't mean a mystery novel, mystery in terms of entertainment, at least according to this text that we read. It's embrace the mystery that it's not all about me. Heaven forbid that life is not all about me. When we uh, had our first child, all the kids are in the service today, so I'm going to be talking about you a little bit today. Too bad. But we had our first child, and everyone handles their first child a little bit differently. There's varying degrees of difficulty. But at least for us, that first one, like she was easy. Hmm? I'm not, uh, uh, easy, uh, easy for me anyway, I guess. But in terms of our ministry lifestyle, like, it's almost like she was an accessory. Like, you just plop her in the car seat and away you go. And if you go to church, you've got, like, easily, like, a hundred uncles and a hundred aunts and a hundred grandparents and a and hundred uh, whatever. I mean, you know, it was like kind of hot potato in church. We would just, they, they would just pass her Along, I remember uh, it was uh, the second church we were in, and uh, there was an odor, and I didn't—I wasn't even thinking. But the communion table was there, and, I'm, and, I, and she runs up, and I'm like, "Okay, well, do we got to change this diaper." And it's right in front of the communion table, and, and people started laughing, and I didn't even know what was going on. But I just say that to say it, it was just kind of easy, or easier, and it was almost like having an accessory, like a, a really nice handbag, you know, that was cute. But then we had two. And that kind of changed things. Now it was like one-on-one -on -one defense, right? And then we had three. And before I could speak up, we had four. <laughs> Oops, four. And the, the conundrum was that as the more kids we had, the less and less life became about me. And, and, and I guess this is a bit of a mystery that might be hard to believe, but I am now actually happier today even though most of my life isn't about me. I can promise you most of my bank account is not about me. <laughs> I don't get the last chicken wing. I don't get the last fry. I don't get the last hash brown. Oftentimes, we'll get like a McDonald's meal, and one kid's like, oh, I'm still hungry. Okay, I can, I can lose the weight, I guess. And so, like, but and, and, and here's the mystery. I'm happier now, even though most of my life isn't about me. And it's not that I'm finding my happiness in another person, but there's a peace and a joy in knowing that life's not just about me. And to translate that over to a church context, life's not just about you. God actually wants to include people who don't look like you, 
who don't think like you, who don't eat like you, who don't smell like you, heaven forbid, don't vote like you? Are, are, are we okay with that? Uh, I, I know we're nodding our heads because that's the thing to do in a church context. Like, yeah, yeah, we, 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 like, we like diversity. We, we like inclusion. Yeah, 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 don't, don't cancel me online. You know, so I, I'm seeing the head nods, and that's a good thing. But, but do we really want that? To, to, to use one example out of our culture, like the political division is so rife today. You know, it, it used to be, like, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I'm old enough to have seen this, that, that one political person who was on this side could actually marry somebody on the other side and it wasn't a big deal, right? Like, like I, I know people, I'm a little bit older, like, I know people who are conservatives and married liberals. Uh, I have friends in the States. I, I know Democrats who've married Republicans. Today, that's like, that's like, like, that's like an, an anathema. If God wants this church to grow, you have to get comfortable with people who don't think like you or even believe perhaps what you believe all the time. And that... It's part of the mystery. It, Paul said, just that next slide there, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. So people who don't look like me or think like me or talk like me, they're going to get a piece of the promise. They're members of the same body. They're actually part of the same community, Jews and non-Jews alike. And then it says they're partakers of the promise that they're not just going to get blessed, that God wants to use them to be a blessing. Because when you make room for people, you are making room for God's plans in your life, in your church, in your home. So as your pastor, in the uh, 15 or so minutes I have left... Let me give you the first of three encouragements. Embrace the mystery that it's not about me, but the blessing of God through me to people around me. Now, when I say the mystery of people coming in, don't confuse what I'm saying. I am not saying we believe every ideology that comes in through the door. We know what we believe. We believe in the scriptures, and we're not ashamed of it. And I would encourage you, do not be ashamed of the mystery of Christ. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Do not be ashamed of his mystery. You know, I've seen a, a growing trend, a growing trend. I am seeing... And, 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 and it's kind of a strange trend because for me, uh, I come from a very different background, so I, I, I sometimes see things through a different lens. And sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I, it doesn't bother me that much. But I, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I used to be a Muslim. And I was born and raised in a Muslim home. And I don't think, and I could be wrong, and, you know, I, and I have a bad memory at times, but I don't think I've ever met a Muslim who was ashamed of what the Quran said. I, I'm, it's a big world out there, and I'm sure there's somebody. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
But I'm telling you, like, you know, like 18 plus years living in this thing, and, and if you know about the lifestyle, it's a very communal lifestyle. And, like, you know, and everybody has, like, four to 12 kids. And, and you know, I have, I mean, I've got family bigger than this church. Like, I mean, we, there's a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids. And I just, I don't think I've ever met anybody who was ashamed of what the Quran said about Allah or the definition of marriage, or who is Allah. Like, I don't think I've ever, I've ever met that. I've ever, and I'm, I'm sure it exists. But there just seems to be a growing trend that, 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 the, that the mystery of Christ is less an object of, of, uh, of, our, of our worship, of our desire to, to know Him more and more, and almost more of a, kind of a nuisance. Like, we, we, we need church, but, but do we need the Bible? Do we need the gospel? I was struck by your words last week, Pastor Joel. Uh, if you were here last week, great message. You should watch it online about Revelation and, and the churches of Revelation. And, and Pastor, you made, you made the comment. And, and for those of you who've studied Revelation, you would know this, but, but the, the general challenge to the churches was that you don't want Babylon in the church. You want the church in Babylon right? Like you, you, you want to take the hope that you have and, and bring that hope everywhere you go. And I remember as you were talking, it brought me back to my Bible school days. Oh, it's a long time ago now. I remember those Bible school days at Master's College and Seminary. Yeah, good times. And there was a question that, w- you know, we would often debate. And, and, and this is a Bible school, this is, this is a quintessential Bible school question. So if you ever thought about going to Bible school and you find yourself in the cafeteria, uh, this question might come up at some point. And for those of you who went, maybe it did. Does the church need the wisdom of the world to fulfill its mission? Or is sola scriptura, Latin for scripture alone, is it enough? And, and I can honestly tell you, I don't, I, I don't really have the answer. I mean, obviously, we need chairs and, and even the technology and the chemicals that go into communion in a prefab cup. I mean, that's, that, that's, it, don't let the, the miracle of that science be lost on you. Like, that's pretty awesome technology. That will last longer than you, like 75 years. I don't know the answer to that question, but there is something I do know. And what I do know, I'm not ashamed of. What I know when I read this passage is the direction of the flow. That's what I know. I know the direction of the flow. Here's what I mean. Paul said, this grace was given to me to preach. The grace didn't come from Australia or North America somewhere. It didn't come from anywhere on this earth. The earth and creation was not the source of the grace. It came from someone who is wholly other, distinct, holy. And from there, it came to Paul and, by, and us as followers of Christ out into the world. The unsearchable riches of Christ. It came from somewhere that we cannot access except through faith and then one day our faith will be made sight and bring to light. Go back one slide and bring to light 
That light didn't come from the world. No, the Bible's clear that the world is hopelessly lost in darkness. Only those who follow Christ walk in the light. Anyone who doesn't follow Christ does not walk in the light. And then it goes on. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom doesn't come from the world. It comes from God. Layers upon layers upon layers of wisdom. And all you have to do is ask. I don't know how much of the world's tactics the church needs and et cetera, et cetera, but I do see the direction of the flow. God created you to be a conduit for his unsearchable riches. He created you to be a source of his manifold wisdom. He created you to be a preacher of his grace about Jesus Christ. But therein lies the rub. You cannot be a conduit if you haven't experienced it. Have you experienced the grace that changes lives? The light that gives hope? And you're not just a conduit, by the way. You are a recipient. Because there is a very special strength for those who embrace his mystery. A very special strength. You know, as I was writing today's message, my mind was kind of floating between all the decades I've been alive. And it's been a few. Some of you, it's only one decade. We got the kids here today, so some of y'all, it's only one decade. For some of you, it's two. For some of you, you're pushing eight or nine, and we're thankful you're here, actually. We really are. But I remember, I was remembering through the decades, I've I've actually thought of strength differently in varying seasons of my life. When I was a teenager, I thought of strength almost exclusively in physical terms. And so I I would do a lot of mixed martial arts, played a lot of soccer and sports because to me, I wanted to be strong and strength meant physical strength. It, It meant speed. It meant stamina. But then when I was a young adult, I realized you can't take a flying armbar to the bank and you need money. You want to take a girl on a date, you need money. Right? I mean, you don't want to pick her up like at the bus stop. You need money. You got to get a car. That's a thing, right? Picking up people for dates anyway. You know, they're going to watch this YouTube video 40 years from now. What? They didn't do that? But, I, I, but in my, my young adult years, I thought money was power. And so my mindset shifted that, that from strength being something physical to being something economic. Because if I just had money, I could control my life and do what I want and live how I live, hence why I got caught up in a pyramid scheme. And fast forward many years, many seasons of redefining strength only to realize something that I think only comes with maturity. And I I think many of you know this already. The pursuit of strength is really an attempt to disguise the weakness we refuse to accept. We are weak. We are weak. Oh, I know some of you, you're young and you're beautiful. Well, you all are. Maybe you got that perfect job promotion and now you've got that chip on that shoulder that says, look at me, I've made it. I'm in control of my life. No, you're not. You're weak. 
like me, you're pathetic. Like, no, sort of like we are. Like, I mean, what are we compared to God? And please don't misunderstand me. I am not begrudging hard work or effort. But there is a strength that is available to you that hard work can never match. There is a God who longs to strengthen you, who longs even to put people in your life to strengthen you. And, and, and the reason why is almost hard to comprehend. When you read what Paul said, that they may have strength to comprehend with the, sta- the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. This is not strength to acquire something. It's not strength to buy something. It's not strength to do that thing you always wanted to do. It's the strength to comprehend, the strength to know that God loves you. The strength to know that there is a plan for you. And as I was reading about this strength, I thought, why does God want me to have so much strength in my mind? Because when you think of strength, you think of these bad boys, right? I I won't scare you, so I won't flex. When you you think of strength, you you think of your contacts. You think of perhaps your wallet and your finances. And I'm not saying those are wrong. They're good in their place. But when we think of strength, we think of things that we can taste, see, smell, hear, or touch. And yet in this context, God wants you to have strength to do what? To comprehend. Strength to know. To know what? To comprehend what? Well, I'll read it to you. To him who is able, even when you are not, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. And to him be the glory, the glory he shares with you, provided you suffer with him. And the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. You know what he wants you to know? There's more in store. There's more in store. There's more in store for your homes. There's more in store for your marriages. There's more in store for your children. There's more in store for you. There's more in store. And if there's more in store, this is the one thing and the last thing I, as your pastor, will ask you to do. Lean on Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Pursue Jesus. I know it doesn't make sense. But there is strength in our faith in Jesus. There's hope in our faith in Jesus. There are unsearchable riches in Jesus. He can do immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. Don't build your life on the things of this world. Don't even build your life on pastors. We belong to the Lord. We're we're sojourners. We we travel in the land going wherever God calls us to go because we don't really belong to ourselves or even to a church. We belong to the Lord. Build your life on Jesus. He'll never let you down.
I can almost promise you he won't tell you exactly what the plan is, but he has a plan. You can trust him. You can build your life on it. And so church, I'd invite you to stand this morning. And I'd like us to sing to Jesus. He's worthy. He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. Every song we could ever sing, and worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, and worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus.
Pastor Joel to come. He's a regional director for this area with the WOD, POC, former lead pastor here, an all-around nice guy. Thank you. Thank you. Catherine, why don't you come on up? Uh, congregation, this is a, a bittersweet moment, isn't it? And uh, I know you have deeply loved this amazing family. Thanks for coming, Catherine. And uh, there is a special bond that develops between a pastor and his congregation. Uh, and uh, there is no doubt there is that kind of bond in the house today. I could feel it. I can sense it. I've had several conversations on the way in. And uh, part of this morning is to bring a sense of closure to this chapter in your lives and in the lives of the congregation and for a new chapter to begin. And the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 4 that pastors are actually a gift to the church by Christ himself. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus himself gives pastors as gifts to the body of Christ. You have been given a beautiful gift for the last few years, have you not? These people and this family have been a gift to you by Jesus himself. The Bible teaches that among these ministering gifts given to the church is the important ministry of pastoring. It's a high and holy calling. It's a great responsibility. It's a wonderful privilege. And in the context within which a strong spiritual and emotional bond between a pastor and people can develop. It's not just an ordinary job. We don't do this as an occupation. We'd be crazy if we chose that. We're called to do that. And because of that, there is a bond that's like no other that develops between a pastor, his family, and a congregation. As the pastor of Heartland, a church connected, Pastor Fraz, it has been your duty to pray. It's been your duty to study the scriptures, to preach the word of God, to equip the saints to faithfully perform the responsibilities required of a ministry to glorify Christ in your life and in your ministry. And as the pastor of this congregation, you've, you've, you've done a lot of things. You've celebrated the Lord's Supper. You did that today. You've baptized believers right over there, I believe. You've dedicated children. You've officiated at marriages. You've cared for the burial of the dead. You've shared their joy. He has shared joy with you, hasn't he? They have shared with your, in your sorrow. You've cried together. And you have been granted this sacred trust. And the manner in which you have executed your office has impacted the kingdom of God. Can I just say this? This is off script. As I was praying for you guys, I sensed that just like the voice of the Father spoke over Jesus at his baptism, before he commenced his ministry, his Father said, you are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. And with you, I am well pleased. Can I just say that that is the voice of the Father over your lives? 
You are children of the Most High God, and He loves you, and He's pleased with you. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Oh, receive that, receive that. Listen, it's not easy to come into a half-built building. What was the guy before you thinking? I mean, and you brought it to completion, you settled the saints, and then COVID hits. And you battled through that. And look at what the Lord has done. And you folks have been an integral part of that becoming a reality. We honor you. We honor you. You have given and the people have received. And the people have given, and you have received. We had so many conversations. You're like, Pastor Joe, I don't, like they love us and our kids. Like we're not, like we don't even know what to do with it sometimes. And it's true, this church loves their pastors. It is my prayer that the memory of your journey with this congregation will bring you much happiness in a personal sense of fulfillment. When you look back at what the Lord has done through your life, may you have a sense of, wow, Lord, you gave us the privilege for those years to do what you called us to do. At the same time, this chapter of life is coming to a close, and a new chapter both for you and this congregation is about to begin. Pastor Fraz. As you are commissioned, as this chapter concludes from your responsibility as the pastor of Heartland and Church Connected, do you believe that you have a peace? Do you have a peace that this chapter is at a place of conclusion and that you are in the will of God today? Will you commit yourself whenever the new pastor gets installed, that you will speak well of him or her, that you will pray for them, that you will support them. To the members of this church, to this congregation, I have a few words for you. As members and leaders of this congregation, you have placed yourselves under the care of this pastor. It has been your responsibility to regard him as your under-shepherd of your souls, to esteem him, to pray for him, to partner together with him in extending the gospel to this community and to the whole world, to help care for him. And today I want to say thank you to you. Thank you for loving the Mirza family so well. Thank you for taking care of the gift that Jesus has given to you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Some of you have journeyed together. Some of you have become followers of Christ through this ministry. Some of you have been baptized here through the ministry of Pastor Fras. Some of you have been nurtured. Some of you have been supported in times of crisis. You too will have your memories. But today, you must release your pastor. He needs you. He needs to hear you say, we release you. We love you. We believe 
that your best years are ahead as well. I know you, you encouraged us today that your best years are ahead, but we want you to know your best years are ahead. And so we release you. And so I want you to say those words in a few seconds. We release you. Ready? One, two, three. We release you. We bless you. Can you say that? We bless you. And we honor you. As members of this congregation, I remind you that the best compliment you can give to Pastor Fraz and his family is to continue to be faithful to the Lord and to continue to be faithful to the church, his church, Christ's church. I ask that you continue to labor for the ongoing vision of this church. Thank, please, I pray that you would commit the next steps to intercession and that you transfer your love and support to your next pastor. Pastor Fraz, as a representative of our district superintendent, Jason Small, we release you from the role and the responsibility of Heartland and Church Connected. And we believe that in this charge, we ask you to be diligent that we ask you to continue to be faithful unto the Lord as you continue to walk in obedience to God's call over your life. May the blessing of the Lord rest upon you now and until Jesus comes back. Can we pray together? Now, I want you to extend those hands. I don't just want to be the one praying in the house. I want you to pray right now all across this room for the Mirza family, for Pastor Fraz. Let's, let's do this. Lord, right now, I pray for this amazing couple. Lord, thank you for their lives. Thank you for their obedience. Lord, you have seen every moment, every, every tear, every laughter, every joy. Lord, you've seen all the long hours of work. You have seen all the... All their tenacity. Lord, we just pray a blessing upon their life. Lord, I pray for Pastor Fraz, your continued anointing, your empowerment, your spirit upon him. May it fall fresh upon him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Lord, I pray that he would know today that you're not done, that, the, 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 that there is a journey ahead that is more than he would have ever hoped or imagined. Lord, I thank you for Catherine. I thank you for an amazing leader. I thank you for all her hard work, many times volunteering hours of work in the children's ministry, not only investing in her own children, but in the children of those that are in this place today, on her knees, uh, hugging and, 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 and letting them know that they're loved by Jesus. Lord, all of those things go they do not go unnoticed, Lord, that she would sense your divine nod of approval today. And so, Lord, we extend our love to them today. I pray that they would sense the embrace, the love of the Father. And, Lord, we pray for their children. Lord, I thank you for their children. I pray that their children would walk with you all the days of their lives. Lord, that they would be close to you, that they would know that they have a mom and dad that love them like crazy, that there is a church here that will follow them as they grow up and will want to hear all that you're doing in and through them. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing on their children today. 
Lord, I pray that some of the greatest aspects of the Mirza ministry as a couple, one of the greatest contributions to this planet will perhaps be these children that they've raised, that they would be giants, Lord, that they would be giants for you. And so, Lord, we commit this time, we commit this church. Lord, we pray that nothing would thwart the plan of God over her. Lord, you are the one who holds her. You walk among her. You come with blazing eyes and bronze feet. You are the amen. You are the beginning and the end. You are the faithful one. You are the one who comes with a double-edged sword. You are the head of this church. And nothing, because you are here, nothing will ever separate them from the love of God because it's deep and it's wide. And so we commit this day and we pray for the celebration in the gym. May it be filled with words of encouragement and may the Mirza family leave today with full hearts and may every member and congregation member leave with a heart of gratitude today. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone says, amen, amen. Can you give them another hand, please? Yeah, keep going. Pastor Kevin? Yes, Lord. You may be seated. We are gonna, we're gonna invite Pastor Fraz and Catherine and the kids. They're gonna leave right now and go into the gym. And they're going to get uh, some pictures taken around the cake. And uh, just a few instructions. Just uh, We have it all set up. It's beautiful in there. Really nice time to be able to uh, fellowship together. Uh, coffee, tea, and that is in there. Uh, a lot of sweets. Everyone, I guess, has really done well. And uh, I hear there's some butter tarts with raisins, but I haven't found them yet, so we'll look. Uh, we really want to invite everyone just to take... Uh, Take some time to go in and see Pastor Fraz. There's two ways to get into the gym. Uh, there is a way down the hallway. There's double doors down at this end. If you go past the wash of that hallway there and then the single door. So if a lot of people would head out that way, you'll get in a lot quicker and uh, just be able to share together. Now, there are some uh, chairs that are set up in the gym, and we really uh, we want to encourage... Um, I mean, everyone, you know, likes, likes a chair, but we're really thinking of maybe those that might need the chair, either our young at heart, our seniors, or those that might need a chair to be able to use those. So if you can keep that in mind, that would be great. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, we have uh, put together uh, a memory album, and uh, there's pictures in there, there's people have sent in, but people have also written in there just messages and thoughts for Pastor Fraz and the family. That's also in the gym. So if you haven't done that yet, there's some pages there that you could uh, put in a little note and just something for them to take with them and to cherish um, from their time here. So it would be great if you were just able to do that as well. God bless you. And I pray God's blessings upon you and that God would uh, be with us as we journey together into what God has in store. Amen? Amen. God bless you. We'll see you in the gym. Don't have all the butter tarts with raisins, all right? All right, God bless you.